Good morning. This is Pastor Frank with the Lunch Break Bible Study. 20 minutes to get you in the Word and on your way. 20 minutes so that you can listen to this in the gym, you can listen to this on your commute, or even on your lunch break. Today we're continuing with the Gospel of Mark. We are in Mark chapter 1 still. We have just finished the beginning, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, In our last exciting episode, Jesus had been baptized and had begun to preach and teach, and he called some disciples, and then the question of his authority came about. The people in the synagogue where Jesus was teaching in Capernaum um, were amazed at the way he taught. He didn't pull any punches. He didn't rely on other people. He just taught the gospel. He taught the kingdom of God, and he kind of relied on his own authority to do that. He didn't rely on anyone else. And the people were very, uh, very surprised by this, and even more surprised when a man who has been possessed by a demon confronts him, and Jesus then casts the demon out. He just expels the demon with a word, and the people are amazed by this, surprised by this, and news about him spreads quickly all over the region of Galilee. As soon as they leave the synagogue, and we're in chapter 1, verse 29, as soon as Jesus and the disciples leave there, they go with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Remember, Simon and Andrew are brothers, uh, just as James and John are, all of them living in Capernaum, all of them fishermen. And they go to Simon and Andrew's house. And now that's Simon, remember, that's Peter. Jesus renames him later. Simon, his mother, Peter's mother, is in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So Jesus went to look at her. So he went to her, and uh, he took her hand, and he helped her up. And then it says, the fever left her, right? And then she began to wait on them. So here you have that Jesus, his authority, his authority over evil is not merely confined to the realm of the spiritual. Because that's an important thing to know about the way the world works. All of our infirmities are a result of the fall of the world into sin and away from God. All of those things are not properly part of creation. They are corruptions of creation. And what Jesus is doing here is that he is showing that not only does he have authority over the evil of of the soul, the, the evil spirit, but also he has authority over evils of the body. And whether that is, in this case, a fever, Uh, later on we'll see Jesus healing blindness and leprosy and even raising people from the dead. All those are, are evils of the body that Jesus has authority over as well. And he shows it right here with Simon Peter's mother in law. And then that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and all the demon possessed. Now, why after sunset? And why does why do they wait? Because they know what Jesus can do. Remember what day this was. It was the Sabbath. You're not supposed to travel and, and go abroad on the Sabbath. You've got uh, work that you should be doing uh, all the days up to that and then after. And remember that the, that the calendar, the day starts in, in the Jewish calendar, the day starts at sunset because of the way Genesis is written 
where it's dark and then it's light, there is evening and there is morning the first day. So the Sabbath begins on Friday night and runs all through Saturday. And then Saturday evening at sunset is the end of the Sabbath. And that's when all the people now come to Jesus. They bring him all of these people who had diseases and and, uh, had many demons. And and you start to wonder what, what in the world is going on at this time in the world where so many people were afflicted by evil spirits. Now, it says that Jesus drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons say anything because they knew who he was. And then at verse 35, you have what your literary scholars would refer to as foreshadowing. You have something that happens that at the time seems like an like a detail that may not be necessarily relevant to what's going on here. But by the end of the story, you realize that this part in the beginning was pointing forward to something that was going to happen later. Verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus got up. He left where he was and went off to someplace else where he prayed. It says a solitary place in your NIV translation. And then Peter and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Moving forward into Mark's gospel and the chapter 16, what, what happens on that Easter morning? Very in the, early in the morning, when it's still dark, Jesus rises and he leaves where he is and everyone is searching for him. So you have this nice little detail that Mark puts here at the beginning of his gospel to point forward to what is going to happen much later. And when they found him, right, Jesus replies, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also because that's why I came. And that's a little surprising. Jesus is there. He's done these wonderful things in Capernaum. He's kind of a hero to the people. Everybody loves him. Everybody is excited and they want to hear what he has to say next. But he says, no, I didn't come here. I didn't come here so that I could rest in the glories of what I have accomplished. He says, let's go to the other towns and villages because I've got to preach there also. That's why I came to preach. And then here again in in, in chapter 1, in verse 38, you have Jesus sort of laying out what the emphasis of his ministry actually is. Now, certainly his miracles are important and his healing ministry is important. It's important to him. But for Jesus, the real issue here, what he really wants to do is proclaim that good news, the thing that he had said in the synagogue at Capernaum, what Mark boils down to that one sentence, repent and believe the gospel. The kingdom of God is here. It is upon you. The miracles are a sign of that kingdom. Repent and believe the gospel. And so they do. Jesus gets his way, and they go to the other towns and villages and preach there. Throughout Galilee, it says, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Now, verse 40, there is a man, right? So we've, we've already talked about this healing of, of uh, the evils of the soul when you have this evil spirit. You also have this healing of the body with Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And now you have someone in verse 40 with leprosy. Now, leprosy, their medical knowledge was fairly limited compared to our own. Uh, Who knows what the actual, I mean, it might have actually been what we call leprosy, but leprosy included a large number of diseases of the skin 
so we're not super sure exactly the the nature of the ailment, but we are. But we do know this. And listen to the what, what the man says. So a man with leprosy comes to Jesus and begs him on his knees. He says, "If you are willing, you can make me clean." And you hear that word "clean," because with leprosy, it is seen as not only a not only a disease, an evil of the body, but it's also an evil of the soul, because. To have leprosy was to, was to mean that you couldn't fully participate, not only just in your community, because there were rules about, you know, you couldn't be around us because, we, you know, leprosy is a terrible disease. But you also had this sense that you couldn't participate fully in worship of God. So this is why it, this man comes to Jesus on his, on his knees and he says, make me clean again. Now notice both the faith he has here and the ignorance he has here. Because the faith he has, he goes to Jesus and he just confesses, you can make me clean. But the ignorance here is, is that, I don't know, Jesus, are you willing? Are you thinking that, that I'm worthwhile? Do you have the will to do this for me? Jesus says in verse 41, filled with compassion, right? Jesus, his heart breaks for this guy. So he reaches out his hand and touches the man and he says, I am willing be clean. And I think that says a lot about Jesus and what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't ask him to do anything heroic or miraculous. Jesus doesn't uh, test him to make sure that he's really a follower or anything like that. Jesus just hears that, that confession of faith. And Jesus has compassion on this man that is crying out to him which reminds us of so many places in the Old Testament where God has had compassion on his people who cry out to him in their hour of need. Regardless of the state that they were in, regardless of the, of the uncleanness of the people at the time, how often they had strayed and worshipped false gods, how often they had not lived up to the covenant that God had made with them, None of that mattered because God heard their cries and he had compassion on them and he rescued them. And Jesus has that same personality here, the personality of God, well, for obvious reasons. Jesus does that. He has compassion and he reaches out his hand and look what it says. It says, touches the man. He says, I am willing, be clean. Now that's important, that detail that Jesus touches the man. Because in the law of Moses, right, in the Bible, that uncleanness, it is transferred from one person to the other by touch. So the idea that Jesus goes and touches this man, this renders Jesus himself as unclean because he's been in contact with someone who is rendered unclean by his, his disease. But look what happens. Jesus doesn't receive his uncleanness. Rather, Jesus extends his righteousness to the unclean man. It works backwards with Jesus. But I wonder how much really is the man's uncleanness, how much of that uncleanness is actually transferred to Jesus? Because that's what happens when Jesus goes to the cross. St. Paul teaches us this. When Jesus goes to the cross, he takes our sin onto himself. He takes our uncleanness onto himself, and there he dies with it. And what do we get in return? We get his righteousness. We get his 
cleanness. So right here, you just have this one little story of this man being made clean by Jesus. But that doesn't tell the whole story because Jesus takes his uncleanness and the uncleanness of the whole world onto himself and takes it to the cross. Verse 42, immediately the leprosy leaves the man and he was cured. And that's pretty great. So um, immediately, again, Mark's gospel, full of these one, two, boom, boom, boom. We got to keep moving. Got to keep going. All these things happen. Jesus touches the man. Be clean. Boom. The man's clean. And then Jesus sent him away, verse 43, at once, again, immediately, right, with a strong warning. So Jesus touches the guy. He's clean. He says, go. Don't tell anybody what's happened to you, but instead, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So Jesus is some, for some reason, he says, don't tell anybody. Even the word about him has gone all over Galilee. He says, don't tell anybody what's happened. Jesus has this, he has this authority, he has this power, but for some reason here in the beginning of Mark's gospel, Jesus is not interested in, in fully revealing what's going on here. He keeps his message, he keeps his word very limited to the immediate audience of who he's talking about. That's what he wants to do. And there's lots of reasons why people think that this is the case. The one I find most compelling is that Jesus has a mission to do, and he insists on being in control of how that mission is accomplished. Jesus insists that he is the one who sets his own timing. And we'll see that especially in John's gospel and his relationship with his, uh, with his family. He says, go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So he says, don't tell anybody, but I want you to go to the priests and I want you to show them. And this testimony this man's going to bring to the priests is going to be twofold. Number one, that Jesus is the one who granted a healing. Right? Jesus is interested in the priests, the teachers of the law, the temple officials to know who he is. And the second thing is that Jesus is also showing that he is not acting outside of the Old Testament laws. Because Jesus didn't come to do away with those things. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And so he tells the man, go and offer the proper sacrifices. And if you want to look that up, you can go to Leviticus 14 and you can see sort of the the proper sacrifices that are supposed to happen after you've been made clean, to be declared clean by by a priest of God. It's fairly involved. (laughs) There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of trouble that goes along with it. But Jesus tells this man that he needs to go and do that. But of course, verse 45, what happens? Right? Instead, the man went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. <laughs> and as a result, you know, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. He had to stay outside in the lonely places. Yet the people came to him from everywhere. And like I mentioned with Jesus, uh, you always have this sense of, of, of the crowds pressing in on him, and, and he can't get a moment's peace. He can't get away with his disciples to do anything. So then chapter 2 begins a few days later. Jesus again entered Capernaum, and the people heard that he had come home. So remember there that Capernaum, even though Jesus is raised in Nazareth, he's born in Bethlehem, flees to Egypt, comes back, is raised in Nazareth in his household, and Capernaum becomes kind of his home base, his hometown. And the people heard that he had come home. 
And so many people gathered that there was no room left. Again, right, in Mark's gospel, everybody's always crowding around Jesus. He can never get a, a moment's peace or, or anything. They gather around and there's no room left, not even outside the door. And what does he do? He preaches to them, right? This is why he's, he's here. People come from all over the place and he uses that opportunity to preach. And then this final thing that we're going to cover today, and I think we're going to run over by a minute or two um, in our time today. But some men came, bringing Jesus a paralytic, somebody who's paralyzed. And four of them are carrying this man, and they couldn't get to Jesus because everybody's around. And, and you can see the sense of everybody's pressing in on Jesus, and you can't make your way through a crowd, especially if you've got a guy you know, on a stretcher. So they, they couldn't get to Jesus, and they go to a, an open, they make an opening in the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. Can you imagine Right? They cut a hole in the roof above Jesus. And then they lower the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Now when Jesus saw their faith, notice that they don't say anything. They just cut a hole in, in the roof. And you imagine sort of the commotion as people are watching this going on. And, and, and maybe uh, I, the tradition says that they're in Simon's uh, house when, uh, when, he, when they do this. And I don't know uh, what your life would be like, but I'm fairly certain my mother-in-law would not like it if, uh, if my, my friends came over and started cutting holes in her house. But that's what they do. And when Jesus sees the faith of them, so desperate they are to get to Jesus that they'll climb on top of a roof and lower their friend down. The great love they have for their friend and the great faith that they have that Jesus can fix this, that he can do something for him. What does Jesus do? He looks and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. What's Jesus' priority? Merely to heal him of the evil of his body, but to heal him of the evil of his spirit, of his soul, the fact that he is and we are sinners. That's what Jesus came to fix. That's his emphasis. And Mark shows it here in in chapter 2. Now, of course, some teachers of the law were there, and they thought, ho, ho, what does he think he's doing Right? Why does he talk like that? That's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God? Now, accusing somebody of blasphemy is a fairly serious charge. If you want to go back again in, in, in Leviticus, the, the penalty for blasphemy is to be stoned to death. And as a matter of fact, in chapter 14 of Mark's gospel, the, the charge against Jesus is blasphemy. That's why they want him executed. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why do you think these things? He asks them a question. Which is easier to say to this paralytic, to this man? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up, take your mat and walk? Now, I as a pastor, right, I I talk to people about their sins being forgiven all the time. And that's fairly easy for me to do. Because I believe that Jesus has given this authority to the church. He says this in, in several places in the Gospels. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And, uh, you know, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. He says that in John chapter 20. But that's kind of easy to say because there's no physical backup. There's no follow-up. The difficult thing to say is take up your mat and walk. Because not many people can actually make that happen. But what he says is this. 
here's how you know that I actually am not blaspheming, that I actually have the authority to forgive sins from God. I'm going to heal not merely the, the evil in his, in his soul. I'm going to heal the evil in his body. And he says, take up your mat and walk. Verse 12, the man gets up, took his mat, walks out in full view of them all. And again, again, everybody is amazed. This amazed everyone. Just like he, when he healed the, the demon-possessed man in the synagogue, this amazed everyone. They praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And that's where we're going to end today at chapter 2, verse 12. Uh, I hope you're enjoying this uh, podcast. I hope you're enjoying listening to this. Um, you can reach me on uh, via email at lunchbreakbiblestudy at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook at uh, just search for Lunch Break Bible Study. And uh, if you have a questions or comments, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Um, I hope you have a, I hope you have a really, really blessed day. <laughs>